Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us, as well as to be joined by Sam Purley. He's the Charlotte Hornets coordinator of digital media content. Yes, it is time for another Two Sams edition of the HHC. Sam, good to have you back. Thank you so much. Not nearly as festive as the last time we spoke, but so it, so it goes in the NBA. Lots of silver linings. That's one thing I'm good at is I can bring some silver linings to, uh, to the team's performance, and we might have there's a handful of them tonight after this Dallas game. I would agree with you there. There certainly are quite a few silver linings, and let's, uh, let's get into them. Uh, first, though, the, the Hornets falling last night to Dallas. Final score was 104-93. Initial thoughts, you know, I think this was a respectable box score at the end of the day. kind of got cleaned up a little bit with the Hornets making a run late. They clearly didn't play their best offense. Something just seemed off. and I don't think anyone in particular was the culprit. The ball just didn't seem to move quite as crisply. So they didn't play their best offense. But ultimately, this was Luka Doncic is just unreal. He's an MVP candidate, and he played like one. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Hornets, when they faced him two weeks ago, he had just 12 points and was really, really frustrated and shut down. And ever since that game, every game he's played in, Dallas has won. They're 5-0 and with him over the last two weeks. He just won the Western Conference Player of the Week award and then 34 points last night, 13 rebounds, 9 assists. I mean, a lot of good shots, a lot of contested shots that he was just hitting. He's starting to make some threes, which has not been his strong suit this year so far. He was 5-9, of nine, so it was just tough. I think the Hornets did a pretty good job guarding him, and he just played really well, and sometimes that's... You just tip your cap, and that's how it goes. So that means that the Hornets have to settle for silver linings. As you mentioned, we we don't like to do that, but sometimes we have to. So settling for silver linings here, uh, P.J. Washington ends up with a double-double, 16 points, 10 rebounds, career-high, 6 assists, and he made the highlight reel. Ball behind the back pass to Washington, and he'll drill another. P.J. Washington, yet another Lowe's drilling threes bucket. And we can talk more about LaMelo Ball and, you know, not a good shooting effort today from him. But, again, it's uncanny. He can throw any kind of pass behind the back, over the top of defense. It always seems to hit people in the hands, in the catch-and-shoot position, every single time. There's no fumbles. There's no reaching. There's no nothing. It's just, I got the ball. I'm ready to go. But let's focus on P.J. for a moment here. From a guy who started the season getting all kinds of questions about is he in shape, is he having a sophomore slump, he has come out and put together some really good games. I think this is three or four in a row now where he's had multiple threes. He is continuing his development at a great pace. Yeah, absolutely. I think threes is a big thing. He's also blocking a lot more shots. I think going in tonight during the four-game winning streak, he was averaging three blocks a game, and that wasn't a part of his game last year. He was getting more rebounds. Like you said, the career, tied to career high with six assists, scoring a little bit more. He's starting to do everything. He's taking steps, and one of that steps is being more versatile and doing a little bit more. So I thought it was a really good performance tonight, but he just had his hands full with some of those Dallas bigs. Porzingis down in the post, Willie Cauley-Stein, and then you got to see Boban Marjanovic a little bit too, and there's just only so much you can do against those big bodies that the, uh, the Mavericks have there. Boban Marjanovic, I think, is the modern-day Andre the Giant. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Boban. I like Boban. I like him, too. I've heard he's very nice. I've never met him, but he's very, very nice. It's it's just, you know, Boban had a good game. No one's mad about that. But, uh, you know, the difference, I I agree with you. It ended up being Porzingis as a weapon. You know, maybe you wanted to see, all right, is is he coming out shooting hot? He did. He came out and knocked down a handful of threes. And then Luka Doncic was just a difference maker. But P.J. Washington's solid game. Another settle for silver lining. Didn't get a whole lot of scoring off the bench, but there was one play in particular. Martin to Martin. Caleb to Cody. Cody with the right-hand shiver. Oh, 
It was uh, a, an impressive dunk. I would say of all the plays, you know, granted, Luka Doncic scores a lot of points, and it's a very impressive thing as a basketball fan to watch the kind of shots he can take and make and how he maneuvers out there. Watching the unicorn Kristaps Porzingis have a big game, that's going to be a highlight. But in, just in terms of single most impressive play of the game. So I'm going to need you have to clarify which Martin it was, I think. But I know for Cody Martin in particular, I thought that was one of Cody's best games of the season. Maybe his best. He had season high nine points, four rebounds. Shooting looked a little bit better. Knocked down a three, was four or five. And they might need him in the next couple games. Obviously, we lost. Gordon Hayward left the game with a hip strain. Don't know his status moving forward, but... I remember when they didn't have Gordon in the preseason with the finger injury, it was Cody Martin who started. So that could be another avenue JB goes back in order to keep that bench unit kind of intact the way it is. We'll get to the dark cloud in a moment, which is the Gordon Hayward uncertainty right mm-hmm. now. But one more silver line just to throw out there. I know it was, you know, at the end of the game, it's not really meaningful minutes at this point, but Vernon Carey Jr., first career points, made a free throw, first career field goal, career high two rebounds. You want to celebrate things. Uh, this is a young man who is just at the infancy of his NBA career. Certainly a lot of potential. Uh, you, you would love to have a fully developed Vernon Carey right now, given the shortage of bigs that the Hornets have. But he's taken some steps, and he took one yesterday. Yeah, that was cool for him. It's always cool when you get your first basket. I remember Nick Richards had this on same thing on one of the podcasts on earlier in the season. And yeah, I think it's just tough for those young guys right now. No accelerated training camp, no summer league. Vernon's learning to play a whole new style of basketball after all the weight he dropped since leaving Duke. So when he does get in, it's good that he can produce. Even who knows what can happen. You never know when your number will get called. Now on to the potentially dark cloud, and that is Gordon Hayward left the contest third quarter with a hip issue, a strained hip, I think, was the Mm -hmm. official word. You were in the press conference with James Borrego while I was still on the postgame show, so I didn't get to hear it. What is the latest on Gordon Hayward? What do you know, Sam Perley? They just said he's day-to-day, and he will make the trip to Tampa slash Toronto tonight, or last night. Uh, So he is in waking up in Tampa Bay this morning, which was the Raptors are playing right now. I didn't see it, but it sounds like it's day-to-day you never know and you know if he is out for any amount of time you have other guys that are going to have to step up and you know he's a big part of the team right now but that's just how it goes without going too deep you mentioned you know the martin brothers seeing an bigger role and obviously that was a preseason so maybe a different situation here but in your estimation you know what kind of changes get made is it jalen mcdaniels comes back into the rotation is it more minutes for the martins how do you think if gordon hayward is not able to go and a can't emphasize enough. We have no idea right now. We are purely speculating on how it would be handled, not whether or not he would be able to play. But just saying, if in the event he's not able to play, where do you believe the Hornets go? My best guess would be that Cody Martin would start. I think in the past, when an injury has happened to a starter under James Borrego, he generally wants to have the least amount of disruption in the lineups as possible. So you're already going to have a hole to fill in the starting unit. You don't want to mess up what's working well on the bench with Miles and LaMelo, and those guys have something clicking down there. So the best thing to do, move Cody up into that small forward position, go whoever you're going to guard, guard in for the Raptors, and then handle your business there, and then you know you try and make the most of it. But obviously Gordon would be a big loss. Again, we don't know anything. It could be something very, very minor. 
He's Sam Purley, the Charlotte Hornets coordinator of digital media content. I'm Sam Farber, your humble play-by-play broadcaster. And we've got a lot to talk about today because it is a back-to-back. So we do have to talk about Hornets at Toronto, and we'll get into that later. Also, there was a trade yesterday. Did you hear about the trade? I saw it happen. There was a trade of some kind. Right as I was walking out the door. It's a pretty small one, just a couple minor. The James Harden deal, it is the buzz of the NBA. We're going to talk about that, the potential impact it has on the East as well as the Hornets. And also, talk LaMelo Ball because he had another honor come out in the last 24 hours. So an awful lot to get to with the remainder of this podcast. But I do want to take a moment and remind all of you that the buzz is still building and the season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season are already available. You can guarantee your price right now. For more information, you can call 704-HORNETS. So visit hornets.com. You can live chat with a season ticket representative. Charlotte fell last night 104-93 to against the Dallas Mavericks, but that was, believe it or not, not the headline in the NBA. The headline was, at long last, at least in his mind, James Harden got moved. Harden had been demanding a trade for most of the last, what, month and a half, month, I'd say? Month and a half, yeah. Something like that. Uh, he wanted out of Houston. He has been moved to Brooklyn the, the trade has a few ripples in it. Uh, Cleveland has gotten bigger. Believe it or not, they had Jared Allen to their roster, which already had Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. Indiana has changed out one all-star, Victor Oladipo, for someone who maybe has the potential to do that again in Karis LeVert. And Houston got every draft pick Brooklyn has for the next decade, or at least an access point to said draft pick. So as the dust settles and we're still analyzing the trade, your initial thoughts on Harden to Brooklyn? Well, it's definitely a big move. Uh, it was probably time. I think James wanted to get out of Houston. It was pretty obvious. And I think after the events, after the ga- their most recent game, I think when you call it your team publicly like that, I think there's probably no going back. I mean, it was time. And I'm on a personal side, getting to know Stephen Silas a little bit, who was here in Charlotte for a number of years when I started, I think he handled the situation amazingly down there. It was a tough spot as his first job as an NBA head coach, and I'm kind of glad they put that behind them. Going forward, they've got John Wall, they've got Victor Oladipo, they've got DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Woods playing really well. So for Houston, I think that is a big part of the trade is just kind of getting rid of the drama that Harden has kind of brought the last, you know, month or so. I think Cleveland, obviously that's a good move for them. Levert is an interesting piece. Um, Cleveland too, adding Allen, that's going to be a lot of rebounding. I think their their goal is to go for every single rebound possible, the lineup they have. And then I think when you circle it all back to Brooklyn, that's a bi- it's a big gamble. you got three superstar personalities and the situation with Kyrie Irving is still kind of up in the air and you know Kevin Durant looks like he's ready to go and uh, bring in Harden. It's just when you have a situation like this, who's going to be the second guy? Who's going to be the third guy? Who's going to take the shots? Who, how are they going to defend? They just lost one of the best defenders in Jared Allen. So uh, there's a lot to figure out if you're Brooklyn. It's you got a, three tremendously talented players, but it's not as easy as just rolling the ball out there and say go win. No, no question about that. Because if you if you're Brooklyn, yes, you you might have on any given night, depending on the matchup, the three best players might be on your team. But players 4 through 11 might be on the other side. I mean, they, they do have other pieces. I don't mean to belittle who else is on their team. But, uh, again, my point is, you know, you, you can only play – there's only one ball. You can only play so many superstars to get so many shots. And while James Harden and Kevin Durant have played together before, that was eight years ago. That was a very different James Harden. He was – I don't even think he was a starter back then for the most part. So – 
yes, they played together, but there was a clear delineation. Kevin Durant's the superstar. James Harden is the the young up-and-comer. And then he goes to Houston, and he becomes a, a superstar in his own right. So how do they pair up now? How does Kyrie Irving fit into this? As you mentioned, where is the defense going to come from? You just lost your your best defender, probably your best big in Jarrett Allen. You lost your best bench player in Karis LeVert. They're... they're I don't want to say you know there are more questions now than you had before, but there are some significant questions as to that, that Brooklyn has to answer, and they certainly have the talent to get those answers to be the dominant team in the East that a lot of people thought they would be. I think you have more questions now for sure. I really do. I mean, this is it's a big move. It's you know, but this is a move that says you know we're trying to win now. And some of these guys are getting a little bit older. Kevin Durant's thirty two, coming off the injury. Kyrie's situation is still kind of in flux, and then James is getting up there too. And I guess the good thing is, is with James that was a long time ago, eight nine years ago, he came off the bench in Oklahoma City, but he played within a system, you know, with Russell Westbrook, with Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka at the time, then went to Houston, and then kind of did something that was so unprecedented with so much isolation possessions and one on one and the threes and he's going to have to revert back into getting into a system again that's moving the ball a little bit more I just I would have a hard time envisioning playing three guys all at once and it's just ISO possessions is going to be the most beneficial thing for Brooklyn thankfully I'm not Steve Nash and I don't have to worry about it so um, it'll be interesting from just a general NBA perspective it'll be really really fascinating to see how those guys come together but you do have a lot I think you really do have more questions now just I don't think we've ever seen something like this with three superstars that have always been the guy on their team coming together you know the way they have been assembled the last month slash year yeah i mean maybe to a certain degree when lebron Dwayne wade and chris bosh all paired up just in the sense that chris bosh had always kind of been the guy so there was an unknown quantity there Mm -hmm. of was he going to fit in well taking a a secondary or third tier role Dwayne wade had played with uh, obviously with Shaq, so there was an understanding there. LeBron, the best player on the planet, so he's not going to f- finish second to anybody. Uh, and he's such a good team basketball player that I don't, I don't know that he honestly minds. So you know that one might be a, a little bit of a question, but not to this extent. Now, in terms of the impact on the East as a whole and the Hornets, obviously Brooklyn's got some questions to answer, but th- their talent level just went through the roof again by adding on James Harden. Looking at the other teams in the East that the Hornets are going to be jockeying with to make the postseason here, the Cleveland Cavaliers got bigger. I didn't think they could, but they they got bigger. They had Jared Allen in. I think this is the only team in the entire NBA Jared Allen could have gone to and not found his way into the starting lineup. But there he is uh, with Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. How does this change Cleveland, who got off to a very good start to the season? My guess would be, and this is with no inside knowledge of the Cavs by any means, my guess would be they're kind of setting this up for Jared Allen to be the future center of the team. Um, I think he was due to get a contract extension this offseason, and Brooklyn is already at $115 million just with those three guys. I probably just didn't have the money to pay him. Yeah, I think they're going to they're be a very good rebounding team, and Andre Drummond's contract is expiring this summer, so probably just setting themselves up a little bit more long-term. Do they look to move Drummond? Do they look to move to one of these other guys? Larry Nance can also play some center for them, so um, they've got a lot of bigs, and that's a good problem to have. I mean, they're still kind of in a developmental stage, but if you can rebound and play defense, I mean, that's really going to help you at the stage they're at right now, and we saw that in the season opener, so... You know, I like the move for Cleveland. I really do, and I don't think they gave up too much in it either. 
They, they are the only team in the NBA averaging under 100 points per game uh, as we sit here recording this podcast. But yeah, I mean, you, you want to have a strength that is better than anyone else in the NBA if you can have it. I think for the Hornets right now, that's the ability to share the basketball, play team basketball. They've been better at that than anyone else in the NBA, and it's paying dividends. And for Cleveland, uh, the record's not quite there yet, but clearly the biggest team in the NBA, now, biggest in and of itself, has not been a trend line for the uh, the league the last few years, but maybe Cleveland is zigging when everyone else is zagging. The other team that was involved in this deal in the East, emphasis on in the East, is Indiana. And they trade away a two-time All-Star in Victor Oladipo and bring back Karis LeVert. Now, it, to me, it, first seeing this, I didn't quite get it. What, in your mind, is the appeal to it for Indiana. Karis Levert's a spectacular player Mm -hmm. and a ton of talent, and there is certainly the capability that with more minutes and more usage, he will continue to blossom and grow and maybe actually be better than the All-Star they're giving up. i got to think that's part of what they believe. But you gave up an All-Star averaging 20 points per game in Oladipo. So how do you see this from Indiana's perspective? It's an interesting move. I do like the Oladipo fit in Houston next to John Wall. We're still kind of figuring out what John Wall is going to be after he sat out two years. But I think that's a good fit right there in the backcourt to guys that really complement each other. It's an interesting situation in Indiana. I think his contract was up this summer too. And he's had that really bad leg injury a couple years ago. And then took a while to get back and then with the delay and the NBA suspension and everything it was hard for him to kind of get the consistent playing time they needed in order to get back in shape and I think maybe maybe it was just time in Indiana just to kind of you know part ways and Brogdon too has been playing really well for Indiana right now he's in the midst of having a tremendous season and maybe it's just too many ball handlers there you know make Brogdon the main guy Karis Avert's kind of that secondary score first playmaker and then you complement that with Sabonis DeMontis Sabonis who's also having a really really good year Miles Turner as well you know I just think it's a better fit it was more about just having a better fit I don't think necessarily it was something that they wanted to get rid of Oladipo it's just hey I think if we put Lavert in here it could make us a little bit better and what we're trying to do. Right now, Indiana's playing really well, so who knows where this can take them. Yeah, I think that's one of the, the issues. I don't know if issue's the right word, but one of the things that caught my eye the most about it, they're 7-4. and four. They're playing some pretty good basketball. Now, the, the other part of this is that Oladipo is in the final year of his contract. So maybe you're looking at this and thinking, you know, okay, we either don't think we will be able to or don't want to pursue Oladipo based off what his market value is and instead would rather take on Karis Levert, who has this year plus two more left on his contract. So, you know, from that perspective, that might make a lot more sense of it. Not Again, I, I'm not besmirching Karis Levert. I think mm-hmm. he's a very, very good player and certainly capable of playing up to that level. But again, he's an all-star. Oladipo's mm-hmm. an all-star. So uh, that, that might play into it as well. So Indiana, it'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how it works. And maybe this will be to the benefit of the Hornets because all of these teams are going to have to figure out to one degree or another how to play with one another. Uh, Cleveland, I don't know if you can have a four-big-man lineup, but maybe they'll try. Uh, it'll be the biggest lineup in the history of the NBA. For Brooklyn, you've got three superstars, but it's unclear how many of them are going to be available at any one point in time. And what you do with the rest of those minutes is a little bit of a mystery that we have to wait to be solved for more than, I don't know, six hours after the trade's been hap- mm-hmm. has happened. In Indiana, you had a team that was ahead of the Hornets on the standings that's had a significant piece taken off the roster, and yes, they're adding another very talented piece, but there are questions there too, so maybe an opening for the Hornets. What do you think in that regard? Overall, in the standings, are the Hornets, in your mind, 
more likely to move up the standings or less likely to move up the standings than they were 24 hours ago? I think it's about the same. I think you just kind of have to focus on yourself and play well. I don't think Cleveland got dramatically better, and I don't think Indiana got dramatically better. I just think they got different. And different might be better, but maybe not right this second. And you know, this season especially, a lot of, you know, I think the teams you saw at least playing well out of the gates, continuity is such a big thing this year, and you're going to have a lot of guys missing because of health and safety protocols or injuries or resting on back-to-backs or being out for one reason or another. Continuity is going to play a big, big factor this year. So if you're throwing new guys into a lineup, you know, three, four weeks into the season, different rotations and things, you know, it might take a while to get adjusted to that. Not to mention the practice times, things like that. Practice is being canceled, testing. I mean, there's so much in play this year that if you bring in a new piece, a big piece like that, you might not see the results as quickly as you would in maybe a normal season. If you're listening to this podcast on the day it was posted, it's already Thursday, and that means that you can shop in-store at the Hornets Fan Shop at Spectrum Center, because it's open now Thursdays to Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. for all of your Hornets gear or from the comfort of your own home by visiting HornetsFanshop.com. Final segment of the Hornets Hivecast for this day. It's Thursday. I guess you could be listening to it any day you want. But Thursday, the 14th, Hornets are ready for night two of a back-to-back taking on Toronto. Before we get to that, though, some news came out yesterday with regards to the rookie LaMelo Ball. We like to celebrate everything Mm -hmm. the rookies or anyone on the team (laughs) does, but LaMelo's been getting a lot of headlines. And here's the latest. There is the Kia Rookie Ladder, because everything's sponsored. Kia sponsors the Rookie Ladder, which is posted on NBA.com. It's it's basically a a totem pole of, I would say, the the Rookie of the Year vote Mm -hmm. as it sits at any one particular point in time. Think like the Heisman Watch that, that is put out you know, starting a year before the Heisman throw, you know, the day after the Heisman comes out, next year's Heisman watch begins. So the totem pole right now, three weeks into the season, you've got some big names on here and some interesting spots. Uh, interesting to me that Peyton Pritchard, a second round pick, is in the top 10. He certainly has played well for Boston, had that game winner. Or, sorry, he was the 26th pick, not a second round pick, but a low first round pick. So he, he has made an impact there. Patrick Williams, the number four overall pick. A lot of people mm-hmm. were surprised at where he went in the draft to Chicago, but he is in the top five right now, averaging double figures on the season. The number one overall pick, Anthony Edwards, is in at number four on it. 13 points per game. Number two on the board is James Weissman, who went number two in the draft to Golden State. But number one, you guessed it, is LaMelo Ball. 12 points, seven rebounds, six assists per game at the time where this was published. He is, through three weeks, number one on the Kia rookie ladder. So just give him the trophy now, right? It's over? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, it's, you know, there's obviously still is a long way to go in the season, you know, 60-something games, but every every time we come on here, it's like a new thing. You're impressed with what he's doing, and every game I go into, I see something else different stands out to me, and like I like to think that that's just truly remarkable for a first-year player. One night, it's the rebounding. The night when you had 14 rebounds was the team's leading rebounder. It's the assists. It's still finding ways to contribute. It's the shot-making. It's things like that. I mean, he's been really – the coaches can't speak highly enough about his on-the-court stuff, off-the-court. just been a tremendous addition to this team thus far, and it's played a big role in the kind of style of play they've wanted to play. And just getting better and better and to get some national recognition for him and the franchise itself is, is really cool because they haven't had that in the last few years. One thing that Matt Carroll pointed out last time I spoke with him here on the Hornets Hivecast was – it's not just LaMelo's ability to make creative passes. It's where the passes land when they're caught. You know, this is not like playing 2K where, okay, I say I'm going to pass to the guy in the corner and he immediately catches it right in the same spot every time. 
we, we see it all the time in the NBA. Guys will, you know, make a pass and they have to bend down to get it, or they're, you know, taking a, a half step in one direction or another to catch, then set their feet, then shoot. With Lamelo, every single pass seems to be right to the shooter's hands, and that player can either catch and shoot or immediately go into a drive. It's that tenth of a second difference that makes all the difference for some of these players on the Hornets to have a better offensive outcome based off the delivery from LaMelo Ball. That's a really good point. I love the the 2K analogy there. You're not just pressing X and it goes over into the corner and that guy's little thing lights up. But something you just can't really teach. It's just knowing where the ball and sometimes being a degree higher on a pass by an extra tenth of a second is the difference between it getting swatted away or being contested and not contested. And he had one play, I think it was maybe in the the triple-double game where he still, this one stands out to me particularly, but came down the lane, jumped up, about took a shot, and then kind of flipped it downwards to PJ, and PJ put in an easy layup. So it's just another thing that's like, you know, where did he learn to do that? And I think it's just, you chalk it up, well, that's just something he's born with. He just has it, has it, and not a lot of guys do in that sense. Well, and to know where everyone wants the ball when he really did not have a training camp, not a conventional one, did not have a summer league, he hasn't been playing with these guys his entire life for even six months. He's been playing with these guys for three to four weeks and already has this connection. We'll see if that connection pays dividends for the Hornets as they go up tonight against Toronto. Night two of a back-to-back, that's always difficult. Doesn't matter who you're playing. I guess you'd rather play a team that's 2-8 and eight than 8-2 eight and two on night two of a back-to-back. But still, Toronto got to wait at home, or their current home, Tampa, for the Hornets. Charlotte played a game last night, fell against Dallas, and now have to follow up with a back-to-back. There's questions about Gordon Hayward, and even if there weren't, this is still a Toronto team that is two years removed from the NBA championship and has some significant pieces from it. Fred Van Vliet is coming into his own. He's averaging north of 20 points per game. Pascal Siakam is an all-star. He's averaging 20 points per game. And Kyle Lowry, I forget that he's been in the league for a decade. It feels like you know he's still on the ascent. He's probably kind of maybe plateaued, but he's still an elite, elite player, averaging 19 points per game. So it's a very dangerous team with some dangerous pieces. Are you surprised that they are 2-8 and eight at this stage of the game? A little bit, because I was looking at writings and stuff for tonight's game, and there's a few things. One, they've only played three home games. So they haven't been at home. They just got back from a West Coast road trip. The last two losses were both by a point. They lost by buzzer beaters or game winners on both of them. So their net rating is something like negative 1.8, which is not really indicative of a 2-8 team. I think they just had a lot of bad luck. And I think there's something certainly to be said for sort of the weird element they're dealing with this season, being in Tampa, Florida. They spent a long time in the bubble. They had to get there a month early. And then being in Tampa because of the travel restrictions and everything, you know, maybe that takes a toll off the court. You know, I'm not envious. I think it's really tough what they're going through right now. But like you said, they're still a championship caliber team in the sense that they've got a lot of core players still from there. We saw them in preseason twice. There's a lot of guys that can really play on that team. And there's probably no team in the league right now that's hungrier than a win than that, that Raptors team that's 2-8. and eight. So Hornets will get a good shot against them tonight. And then we'll see them again on Saturday as well. In terms of how they play, they take a ton of threes, and they like to run up and down even more than the Hornets do, which is difficult to do. How, how much does that factor into the Hornets and maybe how deep they have to or want to go into the bench to make sure that they're fresh enough to keep up with these guys? Well, I think it, it, it circles back to last night. They just got to get off to a good start. I mean, if you get off to a good start, I think that will kind of build on it. And one of the things interesting about Toronto which I've kind of found fascinating is they were one of the best teams in the league in terms of net rating in the first and fourth quarters, like top four, top five in the league in net rating in the first and fourth and bottom five in the second and third. It's a very weird kind of, I don't know what's happening if they go to the bench and can't finish quarters or something, but you start strong in that first quarter, 
keep it going to that second and third where Toronto's kind of been struggling then finish strong you have to play a full 48 minutes against a team like that but I think it's a strong start. You can't fall behind by 15, 20 points and expect to crawl out of it against this kind of team. It's been a very busy podcast with a game last night, a game tonight, plus a blockbuster trade and LaMelo Ball news. But that's why we have Sam Purley here, the Charlotte Hornets coordinator of digital media content. A lot of news, big stories. That's why we have two Sams to tackle them. Sam? Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, as always. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. A reminder, we will have another Hornet Tivecast up for you tomorrow, breaking down tonight's game against Toronto, and then another one the following day, setting up the next game against Toronto, taking place in Tampa. Did you get all that? Good. We'll talk to you next time. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you here once again on the Hornets Hotcast.